For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NBA is back tonight, Ike, and college basketball is also back. And the NFL and college football playoff are right around the corner. So with all the sports going on right now, betonline.ag is the place to be. BetOnline, BetOnline. And if you ain't bet, something wrong. Don't forget, uh, NHL is coming back just as well. So like you said, we got all sports from college to professionals. Whatever sports you like, man, in December, it's about to get popping. But make sure y'all bet online 24-7. They ain't never close. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 24, Ike Taylor. Ike, we are recording this the day after the Steelers' 27-17 loss to the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Three consecutive losses for the Steelers. I tell you what, a tale of two halves, losing the turnover battle, more turnovers, three in the first half than first downs, but Steelers not looking good heading into the final two weeks of the season. But what was your big takeaway from last night's game? That probably was Ben's worst game overall. That was his worst game. And for weeks, I would say the last three, four weeks, we've been talking the Pittsburgh Steelers has been on borrowed time, just been getting by. And going into the playoffs, you and I tweeted this and you retweeted me, Playoff teams starting to look like playoff teams. The Buffalo Bills starting to look like a playoff team. The Tennessee Titans starting to look like a playoff team. KC, they've been on bar time a little bit too, but they're a playoff team. The Cleveland Browns, playoff team. The Colts, playoff team. The Ravens starting to look like if they squeeze in that wild card, a playoff team. Pittsburgh now looking like a playoff team. And last night, Seven had to put that on the shoulders. Seven didn't have a good game at all last night against the Cincinnati Bengals. Not at all. Only 40 yards of total offense in the first half, Ike. I don't care, that's not, I don't care what level of football, that's not going to cut it. And I go back to three turnovers and only two first downs. Steelers played okay in the second half, but they will go into halftime down 17 to nothing. And then they actually outscore the Bengals in the second half, 17 to 10. But I look at this game, and you can't do that against the playoff teams down the stretch run. You can't do that. And that's in last night's game, the previous two losses, losing to the Washington football team, and then the week before, the Buffalo Bills. You're going up against teams that, if the season ended right now, would be in the playoffs. This was the Steelers' get-right game. And they blow an opportunity against the Bengals to where in the last two weeks of the season, you're going to play the Colts, have a good running game and a sound defense. And the same thing with the Browns in week 17, 
to where at one point I get looked like the Steelers might actually get the one seed in the AFC. And now that's not going to happen still in a pretty good position to win the division. But I don't know how you go about doing that with the struggles that we've seen from the Steelers from an offensive standpoint. Self-inflicted. And it started with number seven. They had a good first half, meaning the first half of, of the season was pretty damn good. I don't know if you know anything about a two-man. So a two-man is, if, if anybody who's listening, third and five and longer, you got two men. You have two safeties that's going to split the field. And what you tell your linebackers and your cornerbacks is protect the inside, make them throw over your head. And on third down, that's exactly what the Cincinnati Bengals did. And the reason why you wouldn't call this coverage is because if you have a Lamar Jackson, if you have Josh Allen, if you have anybody who can scramble, you wouldn't call the two-man coverage because your backs are turned against the quarterback who can scramble and run. But you got seven. So you can call this on the time, Brady, who you think time may go, probably won't make up, you know, eight to ten yards. You can call this on the Big Ben. Big Ben later on, late 30s, you don't think he can re really scramble like that. All you got to do is really push the pocket. And that's what the Cincinnati Bengals did last night. Now, going further into the season, at the end of the season, that's what a lot of teams are going to start to do. They're going to start to go two-man and just make Ben either get outside and try to scramble with something he doesn't want to do or push the pocket. On another note, Alejandro, Ben Loewe, he has to play better because Lawson last night went to the Pro Bowl. So, and teams going to start to look at that. I can get me a, a short, stocky guy to get under Alejandro and put a lot of pressure on him. Seven automatically gets rid of the ball fast. At the same time, Alejandro has to be more stout on that left side, the blind side. And right now, the two running backs you need to play is Snells and McFarland. Because out of that offense in which you want that offense to cater to, that's the kind of running backs you're going to need. And this is no disrespect to James Conner. I'm just saying if they want to line up in a shotgun, which is usually like 80% of the time, they're going to need them two running backs in the backfield. But seven got to play better. Seven automatically has to play better. We saw what a good Deontay Johnson can do when he's not dropping the ball and how easy it is for him to get open. On the defensive side, you can only do so much. And Devin Bush was out, really wasn't a problem. Vince explained them two was out. You can see the issue and the problem with that. Bud Dupree is out. Hosmith only can do as much as he can. TJ going to be TJ. it going to be it. Cam going to be Cam, you know. Minka going to be Minka. You know, Minka, Minka, I thought the turning point when Minka tackled Philly in the open field off of that quarterback draw, I thought Pittsburgh was going to go ahead and score. 21-17 20, if Pittsburgh would have scored. But they didn't. You know, you, you wind up coming short. So, yeah, the defense has been handicapped, Mark, but the defense still playing good ball. It's not like the defense ain't putting the offense in situations to win the ball game. The offense got to wind up being the ninth, the ninth in the closing. They, they got to start closing these games out because the defense can only be on the field for so long. Whatever the opposite of complimentary football is, the Steelers played in the first half on Monday Night Football against the Bengals. And let me explain. The 17 points given up in the first half, all of Cincinnati's scores in the first half, the 17 points came after Pittsburgh turnovers. So 
you're putting your defense out on a shortened field to where they're put in a terrible position to try to make a stop. And if you continually put your defense in bad positions, I don't care how dominant of a defense that you have, you're not putting them in a position to succeed at all. And so the Bengals scored because they were able to force turnovers against the Steelers and your back's up against the wall from a defensive standpoint once the Bengals actually get the ball back. You get a fumble snap exchange out of Pouncey and Big Ben, gave him the ball, seven through a pick to the slot corner for the Cincinnati Bengals. And there was two other drops, one by a linebacker and one by another cornerback. So technically it could have been five turnovers if it really wanted to be for the Cincinnati Bengals. And like I say, seven got to protect that ball more. What teams are starting to do is they start to play bump and run coverage. They start to push the pocket. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, other than Deontay Johnson, somebody got to find a way to get off press coverage because that's all the team's doing now. They're not scared of getting beat deep anymore. All they want to do is disrupt the timing. And they know Big Ben really isn't a scrambler. He's not the Ben of old. So at the same time, we still ain't run game. And I thought the run game in a, a long time, in about four or five weeks, was the best it looked like. So they got to be consistent on that part. The problem is when you don't run the ball, you see what happens in the red zone when you don't have a running game. You always come up short and you kick a three. And that's exactly what happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you watch what the Cincinnati Bengals did, they wind up adjusting and they wind up coming up with a running game. You know, Giovanni Bernard had a heck of a game last night not going outside, running between the tackles. So Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they all they got to do is take the recipes what other teams are doing to them, and that's running the damn ball. And even if they're not getting first downs, at least the clock is ticking, and you're giving the defense a breather of some sort. We'll get into the good call, bad call with some of the downfield passing in Big Ben. There were two calls. One was a called pass interference that I thought was a good call by the referees on William Jackson. Now, this was when the Steelers were down 14 in the fourth quarter. Jackson had a rough drive and really let the Steelers back into the game because he dropped an interception that was right in his hands. You right. plays later on a fourth down. Steelers have to convert to stay in the game. Commits a pass interference penalty against Deontay Johnson. And I was going back and forth with some people on Twitter that thought it was a ticky-tack call. I thought it was a fair call because, in my opinion, the ball was catchable and that Jackson disrupted Deontay Johnson's ability to catch the ball. So I thought that was a good call. Potentially the bad call, and when you freeze frame it and slow it down, it looks worse than what it was when I was actually watching the play, was on the Steelers' drive, they're down seven, and Big Ben throws deep to chase Claypool, and there's a non-call. And this is the Joe Flacco special when he throws it deep down the field late and gets a pass interference call, and that's how the offense moves the ball based on the penalty yards. I thought that was a potentially bad call, Ike, but I don't know. It's a little bit different when you slow things down versus what you see in real time. But what do you think of those two calls or non-calls? The, the play with Deontay Johnson to get the pass interference penalty because, remember, the Steelers score on the next play with Benny Snell, and then the downfield pass to Chase Claypool, which wasn't incomplete, and the Steelers then failed to convert on fourth down. Yeah, I thought the I thought the first one to Deontay was the right call. You know, I, I thought the second one with Chase Claypool was the right call as well. So I thought the referees got 
both of them right. You, you can fit the 50 on both of them, but at the same time, you can't be perfect when it comes down to the referees and these calls. But you have to throw the ball to at least give your receiver a chance to get a pass interference. And that's at least throwing it up so it can be a jump ball or out throwing a Chase Claypool to where a corner feels like he's going to panic and have to hold a Chase Claypool. Jackson and Deontay, them two was going at it. And I think Deontay got the better of Jackson last night, but it's two young guys. Jackson is finally getting into his prime, finally getting on the field because he's been hurt. And you see when Deontay catch every ball damn near that stone to him, he's elusive, he's fast, and he makes that offense go. So that's going to be a fun matchup, watching them two play for a long time. But last night, Deontay, of course, I think showed why, you know, regardless on the drop balls, he's that valuable to that offense. Yeah, I thought he responded really well last night because he leads the league in drops, but the Steelers need his playmaking abilities because we know he's so good in the open field. Once he actually hangs on to the ball, he's really talented. The play with Claypool, the ball was late on that throw because I thought he had a step on the defensive back. If the ball's on the money, I think maybe you have a downfield completion, but the pass was late or maybe a little bit underthrown and they get a no call. And again, when you slow it down, you can make the argument that it was pass interference. But while the play was happening, I didn't really see it. But once you put it in super slow-mo, I thought, yeah, maybe. it Again, you, like you say, Ike, 50-50, I'm with you there. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is a trend I've seen in the NFL, Ike, was when the Steelers were down 14, mm-hmm. Benny Snell punches it in for the touchdown. And that mm-hmm. now the analytics say, okay, you score the touchdown, you're down eight. A lot of people who are really into analytics now Mm -hmm. say go for two in that situation. The Steelers did not do that. They elect to kick the extra point to cut it to seven. If you're a head coach in that situation, are you going with what the analytics are telling you? Or are you going to kick the extra point, keep it the traditional seven points? I'm I'm not never doing what analytics tell me (laughs) because I'm on the field and it's, when you're on the field, man, it's the floor of the game. It's you as a coach talking to your players, and you're going with your gut instinct. That's a feel somebody analytical would never feel unless they own the field at that present moment. So, no, nah, I ain't never I ain't never thinking, no, I ain't never. Super Bowls ain't been won over analytics, and this is no disrespect to analytical guys. And football has been going on for a long time. So, and back in the day, coaches weren't thinking about what's the percentage of this play at this particular moment? Nah, if you just look at the relationship between a Harbaugh and a Lamar Jackson, that's the analytical side. That's the gut feeling. That's the nah, coach, keep that field goal team on the sideline about to go for it. And that's what you got to admire about football. It's the love, it's the passion, it's the gut feeling. And like I said, no disrespect to who's on the analytical side. It's just in the game of football, and I'm not worried about the analytics. My only pushback to that would be this, Ike. If your offense can't get two yards, and I know the Steelers at one point went for it on a fourth and one and Snell dove over the top because it's like, gosh, if we can't get a yard or two on a fourth down conversion, that would be my counter to that. And I understand in a red zone situation, the windows are tighter. If you are going to pass the ball, people are stacked up on the goal line. That would be my counter just because you get the two-point conversion, then you're only down six potential go-ahead situation 
But if you don't get it, then you can still run another two-point conversion if you do score another touchdown. And so that's the thought process there. Kind of more of a new school way of thinking. But I hear what you're saying, I You know, we're not looking at what if we don't get it. I feel we about to And that's what some of the analytical guys got to understand. It's easy to sit back and be a what if after players are already drawn up. But for a guy who's on the field, they're looking at it like if it's fourth and two, man, we're about to get this fourth and two and about to punch the ball in. Ben ain't going into a huddle be like, okay, fellas, it's a high percentage <laughs> that we don't get this. If we don't get this fourth and two, we're going to lose the ball game. Seven going into the huddle like, hey, man, it's fourth and two. Here's the play. Let's get this first down and let's go. And I can guarantee you quarterback is looking at it like that. And every player who's in that huddle with the back is looking at that quarterback eyes like, man, what you waiting on? Let's hurry up and get this place so we can punch this ball. In. Ike, we're now about 20 minutes into this podcast. And you know I'm not one to say, mm-hmm. oh, what's happening on social media? And you always hear the sky is falling right now in Pittsburgh after losing three consecutive games. But we've got to talk about the Juju Smith-Schuster TikTok videos. And we were talking some before the pod. Mm. We both know Juju is huge on social media well before he even came into the league and how that's an important part of his branding is athletic excellence and showcasing that to the younger generation. But I, I know in my conversations with you in your career, what happened when former Bengals receiver TJ Hushmanzada is taking the terrible towel and wiping off his shoes in the tunnel, what that did to you as a player. So someone who might not know, an opposing player who might not know that Juju always has done his TikTok videos and his YouTube page and his social media presence, might see his dancing at the middle of the field as a sign of disrespect when this is something he's done all along but it's also something where it's just like now that the team has lost three consecutive games, people are focusing on is potential bulletin board material to the opposing teams because this is something this guy's done throughout his career. Yeah. I mean, what TJ did with a terrible tower, that was very disrespectful. We felt like you disrespect, you disrespected the great Myron Cope. We felt like that was the face to his family. You know what I'm saying? Like, we felt like that you really give some people success because they just won the game. Out of my 12 years, they might've beat us three times and we play them twice. So no, there is no rivalry between us Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Like we never looked at it like that, but we just looked at TJ being very disrespectful, not only to the Steelers nation, but just to, to the great Myron Cope who came up with the terrible towel and his family. That's that's how we looked at it. So we was like, next time we see them boys on the field, the temperature gonna be all the way different. It's gonna be a cremation kind of temperature. But um, Juju been doing this before. Juju been a YouTuber. Juju been a, a social media social media guy. And this is coming out of USC. So this is this is nothing new for Juju. And that's what I think Coach T ain't really saying too much about it because one that's like so you can't. Mad at Juju because TikTok you probably got a contract with wants to pay him because of the viewers he have and him save his money and I use his football money and get top. Y'all can get some of this money, some of the social media money. But Juju, Juju been doing this since his college days going into the NFL. Before Juju was Juju, 
before Juju stepped into the field with the Pittsburgh Steelers, we all knew he was a social a social media guru. Like Dan, this this little this little young kid figuring it out. Cause in the offseason, all he did was spend time on social media doing commercials. Now he's a legit YouTuber. He's very active in the social world. You can't get mad at the man who won't get paid other than football. Juju, like, I know y'all thinking it's disrespectful, but I'm not being disrespectful. This is what they paying me, which I can't say, so I'm going to go on let OG. They paying me such and such amount of money to have these followers to be consistent every week. And you can change the narrative how you want to change the narrative, the NFL or, or safety or corner. But no, I'm not doing this disrespect, y'all. Coach T, if Coach T would have felt like Juju was being disrespectful, he would have told Juju stop doing it. But the fact Juju been doing this since he got into the league, now all of a sudden it's an issue. I'm going to counter with this. If I'm an opposing player, I might not know all of this about Juju's past as a social media influencer. And so when Von Bell lights him up, can't help but think that he sees Juju before the game dancing on the Bengals logo in the middle of the field. I think about how mad we got a year ago when Freddie Kitchens gets pictured with a Pittsburgh started it t-shirt after the Miles Garrett Mason Rudolph brawl. This can be interpreted as the same thing if you don't know about Juju's past as a social media influencer. And so when I see that, is it helping you in football games? I don't know. If, if I'm a veteran in the locker room, Ike, and I'm not a former player or anything, but it's like, is this actually helping us win? Or are you putting a target on our back unnecessarily so? I would be smarter about it. I, I hey, really would be. Smart. Because we were saying the same things about Freddie Kitchens with the Pittsburgh started at T-shirt. <laughs> and, we, and, and you said the same thing with TJ Hushmanada wiping off the terrible towel. The terrible smart. towel we in the tunnel. We went 11-0. We went 11 and 0 with me dancing. And nobody, so out the 11 and 0. Now we got 16 games. Now I just, I was TikToking from game one to game 13 now. I've been TikToking for 13 weeks. I've been TikToking for 13 weeks, Mark. Now all of a sudden, we catching these L's and I should start, I should start TikToking. No, y'all got me messed up. Ike, when you have more TikTok videos than you do receiving yards in a single game, that's a problem. No, it's not a problem because we we still in the playoffs and the record still is eleven and three. So yeah, we we we've been losing, but we still got a nice little record. So eleven and three is better than a lot. <laughs> who got the best? Who got a better record than the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like other than the Can- the Kansas City Chiefs? Right now, the Bills are ahead in the AFC. So Record. you've got the Bills at 11 and th- eleven and 3, but okay. the Bills have the tie because the Bills won. So you got the Bills and the Chiefs right now. Right. But are you going to say the same thing after week 17 when you've got a good Colts team with a good running game and a good defense? And then you've got to stop Cleveland in week 17. I know Cleveland traditionally hasn't been the rival. This isn't the same Browns team that you can, right, right. You can absolutely roll over that we've seen in the past, though, Ike. So are you going to say the same thing come the, come the end of the regular season? Mark, why why you didn't say nothing when we was in eleven and zero about this? Because honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Now, I, no that's a good question. That's a good question. What? I didn't know about it because they were winning. Winning cures all because they were winning. Correct. Yeah. So since week one, I've been TikToking. 
is what I'm trying to. And I'm speaking as Juju. I hear so you. Since I hear week you. one, I've been TikToking, baby. So I ain't, I ain't just, I ain't just start this TikTok. I've been TikToking since week one. I'd reconsider dancing in front of an opposing team's logo on the 50 yard line. And if I'm Juju, I'm saying subscribe to my YouTube. It's JujuTikToking.com. <laughs> If you're going up against him, though, and you see that, does that not do something to you as an opposing player? Nah, that's what he's been doing. Say, I, see, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Ike. Nah, that's, that's what, like, it, it's just like, so Ocho, Chad Ocho, he's been sending Pepto-Bismo to the facility. So that's that's what Ocho do. Like, Ocho, play, he'll play whoever corner, and whoever corner he thought was the best corner on that team, he gonna ship some Pepto Bismol to you, cause he felt like what he about to do to you about to be sick. That was just Ocho. Like I ain't gotta get up to play against you. Like I'm gonna get up anyway. I'm gonna already put something in my head that's gonna piss me off, even if you ain't piss me off. But that's been Juju. Like this ain't nothing new for Juju. Like I, if Ben's starting to do the TikTok and all that nonsense, then it's an issue. Like damn seven, you just starting this BS because the young boy been doing it. Juju been TikToking since week one. So I can't be mad at Juju. It's not like there's nothing new. That's why I say earlier. Coach T ain't got a problem with it because Coach T like, man, this man walked into the league like this. So I'm not about to tell him stop. Like I said, if he would have just started this, if James Conner would have started TikToking, if Tuit start TikToking, if Minka Magic start TikToking, it's like, all right, now that's an issue, y'all. We, we got a problem. But Juju? You can say what you want to say. Ain't nobody looking at Juju. If you're on social media, just offer Juju followers. Somebody who probably follow you, follow Juju. So it's going to hit your explore. So don't hit me with this. Oh, I don't know you. I don't know. This is, I don't know no Juju. Nah, you know exactly who Juju is. If you play any game, whether it's Call of Duty or Madden, you know Juju. If you're on YouTube or TikTok, you know Juju. So nine times out of nine, if you're in the league, and you got an Instagram or Twitter, you know Juju. So Mark, I don't want to hear this. Oh, I don't know nothing about no Juju. If you don't know nobody else on this social media in the NFL, you know Juju. All right, I want to go back to one thing you said though, Ike. So Chad Ochocinco would send you guys Pepto-Bismol. Was this before every game or is this, because you would play the Bengals twice a year. Would he do this before Man, every you know, matchup you know, or? You know, Chad had that list. He, he had that cornerback list and he used to share it. He used to share it on TV, his little cornerback list on who he was going to poop on <laughs> for that, for that, uh, for that game. And that's just Chad though, man. Like Chad, Chad, I mean, one that won't nothing sad about Chad. And what I mean sad is won't nothing bad about him. Like Chad was good. So Chad had a little bit of, Chad was playing park ball football in the NFL, him and Carson Palmer. Them boys had that thing down to the teeth. It just so happened. <laughs> Good old boy Ike locked that shit up. <laughs> so so that, that's, why, that's why I wasn't tripping on that. But Chad, man, please don't ever get it twisted. As far as like to be tall, quick, and fast. That was a rare combination with Ocho. Because usually you got one or the other. Like if you tall, you just fast, but you ain't quick. If you tall, you quick, but you ain't really fast. And Ocho had them. What's the best breaks? What's the Formula One breaks? 
Because I know a Formula One car is at least $2 million. What kind of brakes they got? I would think it would be some sort of IndyCar race, Ike, because NASCAR is just a huge loop around. The IndyCar, the tracks are all different from course no, to course. Went, but it's, it's the Formula One Formula car, very exclusive. It ain't, ain't too many people got a Formula One car, so you got the brakes. That was Ocho when it came down to stopping on a dime. Like when Ocho wanted to stop right now, I'm talking about Ocho go from zero to 60 and just stop. And I had to check his cleats. Like, man, let me see if he got some extra padding on some extra brakes on the cleats. Cause it's from what he doing on his tape, man, he stopped nine and guys still going two or three yards while he just coming back to the ball. But yeah, that's what Ocho used to do, man. That, that was just, that was just Ocho. Like if Steve Smith senior would have started doing that, it would have been out the box. Like Steve, you don't even do this, but that's what Ocho did. That's what I'm saying. That's what Juju, if you know anything about social media, that's Juju, bro. I hear you. I'm going to be curious if there's any kind of correlation, Ike, if he stops mm -hmm. dancing on an opposing team's 50-yard mm -hmm. line on the logo, does the team start winning again? I, I don't know. And again, this is, I will agree with you here, Ike. We, we disagree mm -hmm. on this, but I will agree with you here. It mm -hmm. is something that is noticed and highlighted now that the Steelers have lost three consecutive games versus when they won 11 in a row. I'm going to tell Juju this, Mark and Mark, don't stop dancing because you ain't the one dropping the ball. You, you you ain't the one dropping the ball, and these boys and these boys can say what they want to say. That's true. That's true. Let 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 me do not let coach start making us run the ball, cause y'all know what I do when it come down to this blocking. Y'all know I come across your head when it come down to this blocking. So don't take my kindness for a weakness. Now let coach just say he want to run the ball thirty times, and you see nineteen out there on the field, a safety. You know I'm coming for you, a linebacker. You know I'm coming for you, so that's what. If I'm Juju, I'm like, man, y'all really won't wake me up. Y'all better hope we pass 50 times a game, cause y'all see what happened when it come down to me blocking. But we're not gonna see that, Ike, and it's frustrating because Big Ben throws 38 times. They only run the ball 23. I think we're both of the notion what happens if the Steelers flip those numbers and they run the ball 38 times and they only throw the ball 23 times. Do you have a different result? And I think, like, look. 3.7 yards of carry what they had last night against the Bengals probably isn't going to quite cut it. But what happens when you always say this, Ike, when you put two linemen on one defensive line, you're putting 600 pounds on one of the defensive linemen come the fourth quarter, it wears on a defense. It wears you down. I don't care how well conditioned you are. That was, that was, that was perfect. 3.7 is perfect for me. Cause shit, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be 32. It's going to be 32 every time. 32, 31, 32, 31. I'm taking I'm taking that scenario all day. All day. Now it's gonna be a 17-14 game and we're gonna come out with the W. But that's that's the only that's the only letter in the alphabet I'm looking for anyway, is the W. I don't want to get used to no L's. I need W's. And I would have taken a victory last night, even despite the fact that the Steelers were 14 and a half point favorites going into the game. Mm -hmm. I, I always go back to our preseason predictions. I predicted the Steelers would go 11 and five. You had them at 13 and three before the start of the season, 11 and three entering week 16 against the Colts. How do you think the Steelers fare down the stretch run? I think that they'll split and they'll finish 12 and four, but what do you think? They took the L. Pittsburgh ain't splitting, bro. Pittsburgh not splitting. I, I, was, looking, I was looking for the split between the Colts or the Browns. But they didn't. They didn't already finagle me with the with the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think they split though. I thought they was gonna split because they was gonna win against Cincinnati. 
I think Pittsburgh, this, and this is my honest opinion, I think Pittsburgh going to finish strong. I think Pittsburgh wow. going to finish strong these last two games. And I think they're going to they gonna hit the ground. They're going to hit the ground running because it's other than Tennessee, bro, say a Buffalo, you can say the same thing for KC. KC really ain't been shutting nobody down. They ain't really, they ain't really been closing nobody. Like teams been playing KC close. But KC goes up and gets a huge lead, and then they play differently once they have a lead. It's not like KC's facing and that's, some sort and of that's, and that's my whole point. They haven't closed. They, they haven't been closing. Like, you you got you to close. Like, Josh Allen, he's closing ball games. Did you – have you – Ryan Tannehill closing ball games. Did you see the Ryan Tannehill stat over the past 24 games, the last 24 games? Did you see him and Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes throwing for 6,900 yards, 61 touchdowns, 10 picks. Ryan Tannehill, I'm talking about the last four games. Ryan Tannehill threw for 6,000 yards, 61 touchdowns, 10 picks. I'm going to say this again. Ryan Tannehill is throwing less yards, more touchdowns, same amount of picks. So you can say what you want to say. Houston just would have ran the ball in KC. They would have came out with a W last year for the playoffs. So it's, 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 it's <laughs> but don't, people going to get mad. They've been on bar time. KC, KC been on bar time and KC is everything you like. They got the, they got the high flying receivers. They got a tight end. Who's a, who's a bad mother, mother. They got a running back. They had a young stud. Now, now you about to see how valuable Le'Veon Bell is. Yeah, with Edwards Elaire out, that injury did not look good. And I do think you make a good point about the Chiefs, Ike, in the sense that they've struggled covering the spread. They've won several games in a row. They're generally a pretty heavy favorite, but they've struggled to cover in the last several weeks. So you are starting to know a little bit of a trend there with the Chiefs, even despite the fact that they've managed to win football games. They barely came out the Saints with a beat-up Drew Brees. But until someone does it, though, I'm still going to roll with the Chiefs. I'm still going to roll taking, with the Chiefs. I'm taking – I'm going to go to bed online. And I'm I love taking this. the Buffalo Bills. I'm, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills over anybody. Then after the Buffalo Bills, I'm taking Tennessee over anybody. No. Then I'm going to take the Chiefs. The, ten- the Titans' defense isn't what it was a season ago. It, it, you, can say, they're not. you can say the same thing about KC defense. So what's the difference between KC and the Titans' defense? Who cares about the defense? They have Mahomes. You you have a generational quarterback. I'm just saying that's the difference. I'm I'm saying you bought up you you bought up the defense. So I'm saying what's the big difference between the KC defense and the the Tennessee Titans defense? The Titans defense is not as good as it was a season ago, and the stats back that. You still you I'm I'm waiting. You still ain't saying about KC defense. Hey man, KC defense ain't. Here's my logic here. Here's my logic, Ike. Sometimes, Uh you know, they say the best defense is a good offense. There you go Mm -hmm. with Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes on the field. You can make sure that he stays on the field. Did you, did you, and this is, this is, this is. That's my, that's my logic there. This is stat. This is, this, this is a wake up on Twitter this morning. 24 games between Tannehill 24 games, the last 24 games between Tannehill and Patrick Mahomes. You can look this up right now. I can send it to you right now. 61 touchdowns, 
10 picks, 61 touchdowns. And, I, and I've, been, I've been telling y'all, I said they got two running backs and wide receiver, and they got a monster at running back. And what, and what A.J. Brown been doing? What Corey Davis been doing? What Derrick Henry been doing? I've been telling y'all, I, I've been telling y'all, and it's set up perfect. This is setting up perfect. I, Buffalo Bills first, Tennessee Titans, KC, Colts, Pittsburgh. That's my rankings. You can have that your rankings. You can have that your rankings. And better line, y'all highlighting I'm getting the Buffalo Bills to come through. <laughs> I love the shout out to the sponsor. See, I disagree with you. I think we're underrating what the Chiefs have accomplished over the past season, season plus, and only losing one game thus far this year to the Raiders. I think that they're playing an entirely different sport. No, they're not. But you do. They, they're not. The only, the only argument that you have, Ike, is the fact that is it, is so hard, it is so hard to repeat as Super Bowl champions just because we no, have I've never said the that. Patriots. I, I, I've never said nothing about repeat. You, that, that's not my only point. You, you bringing this up. I've never said nothing about a repeat. All I'm saying is, is what I see. I, I will they, take the I Chiefs against the field right time. now. I'll take the Chiefs against the field right now. That's fine. No, I'm taking I'm taking Buffalo. It's Buffalo versus everybody right now. I'm taking Buffalo. Then I'm taking the Titans versus everybody right now. We will move on. The Steelers get five players in the Pro Bowl. TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, David DeCastro, and Marquise Pouncey. Of course, there's not going to be an actual Pro Bowl because of the COVID-19 pandemic. I, this is my annual PSA, and it's the same thing with the NBA. An all-pro selection is more prestigious than a Pro Bowl selection. And I just want to point that out because a lot of people are saying, how can the Steelers get two offensive linemen into the Pro Bowl when this team ranks 31st in the league in rushing? That's my argument there. Why would that be your argument? What if I graded out 90, a 98 in passing? I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I got a stat for that too. Big Ben's only been sacked a season low 11 times this season because he's getting the ball out quick in the empty set. So that's the counter to that is haven't run the ball all that effectively for the Steelers this season. But for as much as Big Ben is throwing the ball, he ha they have done a good job of keeping him upright. I mean, it's a, it's a run-pass league right now. It's a passing league. So, I mean... We ain't talking about Patrick Mahomes throwing for 175 yards. We're going to be like, dang, he had a bad game. You know, but obviously that's what Ryan Tannehill is doing with the same amount of touchdowns and interceptions. He's throwing for, he's throwing for 200 yards a game, but he's, he's throwing for three touchdowns. And I don't want to take away what Pouncey and DeCastro have done in their career, but right. I would not expect either player to be named as an all-pro offensive lineman this year, even though they are named to the Pro Bowl. That's just the point I'm trying to make. Well, I agree with you 100%. I'm taking all pro over pro bowl any day. So that's the best in the world. They might as well, instead of putting all pro, they might as well put all world because you're the best in the, in the world of that position. All pro is merit and then pro bowl is popularity. So there's nothing wrong with either of them, but it's important to distinguish between the two. Would have liked to see Mike Hilton get there. I, we advocated for well him, said. but... Uh, you know, we'll see maybe, maybe in a future year, he's been huge for the Steelers defense this season. Ike, as we start to wrap up here on the believe in Steelers podcast, want to give a quick shout out to a legend, Kevin green passed away at the age of 58 played 15 years in the NFL 
including three seasons for the Pittsburgh Steelers from 1993 through 1995, 160 sacks in his playing career, third most in NFL history behind only Bruce Smith and Reggie White. So he's in good company there. But Ike, you said you had a little bit of experience with Green as a coach, and I was hoping you'd be able to share any memories you have of him at this time. One of the boys. You know, it's crazy. When you get drafted, when you become a Pittsburgh Steeler, you just family. You know, so regardless on if it didn't work out with Pittsburgh for your whole entire career and you go elsewhere, just understanding, like, that's family. So when I heard the news yesterday, I was like, dang, family died at an early age. You know, family died at 50 years old, heart attack, I think, in his son's arm. You know what I'm saying? So I look at 58 as being young. I'm 18 years away from 58. But um, I tell people this all the time, man, you're always on the clock. And you never know when a good man gonna say, come on, man, I need you uphill. So don't take life for granted, live life to the best of it. But just knowing Kevin Green, man, just a, a living legend. Like I, 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 and I tell you this all the time, Mark, I've been around greatness my whole NFL career, if you know what I'm saying. So, I mean, third most with the sacks in NFL history. And they've been, it's been plenty of outside linebackers slash defensive ends that came and gone. And this man, number three, on that list, and he retired years ago. And with the rule changing and everybody can get to the quarterback now as pass rushers, these guys have been ahead of their time. And, and Kevin Green has been one of those guys. Um, not a guy huge. And he wasn't a guy huge in stature. Like, he wasn't a, he wasn't a big guy. He just knew how to get to the quarterback. And um, he had a motor. And he talked about his motor. Like, he, he said he wasn't the – Fastest, he wasn't the most athletic, but God dang, man, he had a mold out of this world. So, R.I.P. to one of the family members from the Pittsburgh Steelers and 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 a former teammate. You know, former teammate is like as a family, a, a Pittsburgh Steeler, Kevin Green. Um, you know, in New Orleans, we celebrate deaths. We don't look at deaths this morning. We got something called a second line. So, um, I'm going on second line mentally for Kevin Green, because I know he's in a happier place right now. So whatever he was going through, he's in a better place. And that's how I look at it. You know, when, when, when the legends die early, um, I, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, Mark, I think God just calling you to be the angel to watch over a lot of people and guide a lot of people. And there ain't nothing wrong with that, you know? A lot of people want to live on earth as long as they can, as long as they can but you know, it, it's not up to us when we leave, when we come in and when we leave. So for Kevin, you know, I just think, you know, over this pandemic in the last couple of years, the good man been calling a lot of people early to be angels. So um, he ain't doing nothing but recruiting. That's that's how I look at it, Mark. So ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with dying early. Because, you know, back in the day, they didn't live long anyway. That's how I look at it. And once you go, you're going forever. Um, you can come back, you know, depending on what your religion is, you can come back as something different. And, you know, my religion, I believe in God. So my religion is, you know, he he, he went and tapped another angel. And and that's how I look at it. So uh, he's going to protect, you know, God going to have a have an occupation for him to protect who he needs to protect. And he has another job to do when he get up there and talk to the good man. That's how I look at it, bro. So I don't look at death as being a morning. I look at death as being, you know, 
an avenue of getting to where you need to get to infinity. We, meaning the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and just a good man, got another angel. Lost a great one on earth. Lost a great dude on earth, but just gained another angel in heaven. That's how, that's how I look at it, bro. That's well said, Ike. And inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016, and then a year later into the Steelers Hall of Honor. And that, to me, is really reflective of what kind of player and person he was, just considering he spent only three seasons as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Ike, final two weeks of the season are here again. Colts at home, and then you got the Browns on the road in week 17. A win will help the Steelers clinch the AFC North, so we'll see if they can get it done. You've got them winning the last two games, and you know, a yeah. lot of fans are going to be watching these last two weeks, but still imagine the Steelers take care of business and win the division And uh, this was something we both predicted that would happen before the start of the season. A lot of people thought we were nuts not to pick the Ravens, but it's going to be really fun to see if the Steelers can regroup down the stretch as they get it. They're already in the postseason. We know that, but where they stack up with the rest of the conference is going to be interesting to see. But before we sign off here, we're also a few days out from Christmas. Do you have any big plans with your friends and family? No, I'm uh, going to go see mom's. And family for Christmas. My son is with his mom. They in West Virginia having a good old country time. Hopefully she bring me back some moonshine or something. <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, man, I want to wish you and your family, Mark, a Merry Christmas. Tell your family, I said, what's up? This journey so far has been good for the both. Um, I think we're picking up a new sponsor in 2021. We don't want to say who it is right now. We'll let y'all know. Uh, Bet online. Thanks for being with Mark and I from from day one. I'm telling y'all, we just getting started. What else? Just to all the viewers and the listeners, want y'all to have a have a happy holidays, whether it's Hanukkah, whether it's Christmas. Enjoy your family. And during this pandemic through 2020, I think everybody learned a little bit, one, about yourself, two, about the people you surround yourself with. So um Hopefully everything is in a is 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 in a positive attitude. Uh, don't take life for granted, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Enjoy it. You know, if you something I always try to measure myself is the work I the time I give the people without looking for nothing in return. If I want to do more of that, just giving my time not only to my family just to others and not look for nothing in return. The more we can do that, the more I think we'll be a better people, a better person, a better nation. Let that be one of y'all goals to try to do something. And I think I'm gonna post this since we talking, try to do something unselfishly and not look for nothing in return and everything will work out as it should. Dyke, don't forget Kwanzaa and Festivus as well when you say happy holidays. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas. That's why I got Hanukkah. We got yeah, exactly. So we've got to make sure we're encompassing all the holidays during this time of year. And so I always appreciate doing the show with you to the folks at the Believe Podcast Network and at Bet Online. Thank you so much. And hope everyone stays safe and has a happy holidays. I'll go ahead and sign off here. 
For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Please leave us a five-star review. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week. Take care and so long. Goodbye. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.